Alright, take your Bibles and turn them to Acts chapter 1. The Acts of the Apostles. It's really, that's the, that's the title of it, but really it is uh, the Acts of Jesus Christ through the Apostles. It's the work of the Holy Spirit through individuals. So we just finished uh, last week uh, our study through through John, and I guess this um, message this morning is just kind of a continuation of that, plus the Bible study on Wednesday night talking about Abraham's faith and offering up his son Isaac, his willingness to, his test. And I don't know, I, I guess if there was a way to sum this up, as, we, as Christians, we want to be, I don't know, we want to be sold out in the sense of we want, we want all that the Lord would have for us, right? We want to follow Him. We, wanna, we want Him to lead us. We don't just want this to be going through the motions. Amen? Amen. So we have this Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the life of Christ, His death, burial, and resurrection, which is our faith. It's what we stand on. It's what we believe. It's, our, it's by, by which we are saved, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. But then we see the work now of, of God through us and the church. God works through the church now. And when I say the church, I'm talking about every individual that has accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They're baptized, the Bible says, through the Spirit into the body of Christ. And He works through us now. He works through us. Us. Us sitting right here, right now. This is how God, He's at work in the world and He's using us. And that, that's kind of the point. Is If we hadn't recognized that, we need to. <laughs> That God wants to use us. And this is His design. Acts chapter 1. I started here two Sundays ago when I told you that we talked about the resurrected life of Christ after He rose from the dead and Him showing Himself for 40 days to the, to the apostles the, the, uh, and then even 500 people at once, the resurrected Christ. And He's talking to them here in Acts uh, written by Dr. Luke, the, great, the, the beloved physician. He says in verse 4, "...and being assembled together with them, commanded that them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father which saith he, ye have heard of Me." So Jesus tells His, his uh, disciples, He says, I'm leaving, I'm going to use you, I'm going to work through you, but wait. Wait for something. There's something that you have to wait for before you go to work, before you be used of the Lord. He says, for John, verse 5, truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. You say, what are you talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost? What does that mean? That means when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that the Holy Spirit indwells you, moves inside of you, and puts you into the body of Christ. That had not happened up to this point. Jesus Christ was here on earth and He had promised that He was going to send the Holy Spirit. Now we are sealed unto the day of redemption the moment that we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. The moment. And so, But they had to wait for it because the Holy Spirit hadn't come to indwell 
permanently believers up to this point. Why? Because Jesus Christ hadn't sacrificed for sin yet. He hadn't made that eternal sacrifice for sin by His shed blood. So He says, wait, and you'll, you'll receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 8, common verse. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. Listen. What is the evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life? There should be some evidence. We've preached a lot about the fruits of the Spirit in your life. The evidences of the, of the Spirit. But listen, immediately upon having the Holy Spirit in your life, there will be a couple things. There will be a supernatural power that you did not have before. And also, you'll also become a witness. This is evidence of new Christians, new believers, that when they accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, all of a sudden they just want to tell people about it. They become witnesses. That's what a witness is. I'm just telling you what happened to me. right? And he says, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both of Jerusalem, where you're at, in Judea, go a little farther, Samaria, go a little farther, and in the uttermost parts of the earth, the whole earth. Eventually, the message has got to go out. You're going to be witnesses to me. Now, last week, we talked about Peter and how he had uh, been confident in himself, confident in his flesh, but at the, at, at the time of, of Christ's crucifixion, he denied Christ, right? And then after that, after Christ died, and he seemed like he was discouraged, he even went so far as to say, I quit, I go fishing. I go, I'm going back to what I know. I'm going back to the life that I can control my circumstances, things that are easier for me. And Jesus is telling him here, listen, you, Peter, need power in your life. And the power source comes by and through the indwelling Spirit. We as Christians, we need spiritual power. We need power to be witnesses. We need power to love. We need power to have joy. We need power to have peace. We need power to have meekness or humility. We need power to be long-suffering and forgiving. We need power to get victory over sin in our lives. We need power. And the power source is the Holy Ghost. He says, telling the disciples about the Holy Ghost that when He sent Him, third person of the Trinity, that He was going to lead us that He was going to teach us. The Holy Spirit to us, God's Spirit in us, gives us boldness. You see that in the life of the disciples. Why? Because He's encouraging. He's heartening. He's reassuring. He's inspiring. Listen, no matter what you go through in your life, as long as you have the Holy Spirit with you and in you, you know that the Lord is with you. The Holy Spirit shows you. He bears witness of that. He is with you, giving us life, giving us fruitfulness. Hold your, hold your place there and turn. Well, we're going to be in Acts for a little bit. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. This is the Peter that was so discouraged, denied Christ three times. He was willing to give up his life as a disciple and kind of go back to what he knew. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 31, the Bible says, And when they had prayed the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the Word of God with what? 
boldness. They spake the word of God with boldness. I find that this is interesting throughout the scripture as you see the start of the church. The church is the church is is has should, the church should have power, but the church should be a little, maybe uh, a little simpler in our minds than what we think it's supposed to be. In the sense that the the church is built on prayer, the church is built on just unity in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The church is built on fellowship, and you see this here. They're assembled together. They're here in unity, right? And they're praying, and there is there is uh, there is a shaking. I think of this. This isn't the only time that that there was a shaking in in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 16 and verse 26, Paul and Silas are sitting there in a jail cell, right? For preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they were praying and praising God at midnight. And what happened? There was an earthquake and there was a shake in there. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. And this filling of God's Spirit, this filling of God's presence will cause us to open our mouths and tell the good news of Jesus Christ. The disciples from... And I'm trying to make a point here of how timid they seemed. Only John was at the cross. How, how afraid, fearful they seemed, which we can relate to, right? To how bold in the book of Acts they have become. We're going to look at some verses here. Willing to die for the cause of Christ. What is this? What made the difference? It was God's Spirit in them. It was the hope of the resurrection that they had. Now that, hey, the worst thing that you can do to me is kill me. And I have the hope of eternal life. Jesus Christ rose from the dead, therefore I will rise from the dead. Because Christ in me, the hope of glory, right? So, they had boldness. Now, this boldness that the disciples had, that the apostles had, is not arrogance. This is not pride in that I know a bunch of stuff, that I'm going around trying to argue, trying to debate, trying to do all these things. But this is walking with the Lord in confidence, knowing that we have the good news, knowing that we have something that the world needs to hear, and knowing our calling and trying to live it out. And knowing that it is our calling from God. It makes all the difference in the world when you feel, and it really, you know, I always say it doesn't matter how you feel, we should know. But when you feel, when you know that God has called you personally to be a witness of His good news. And He has. He has. Let's back up just a little bit in the book of Acts to uh, Acts 4.8 in this passage. Acts 4.8. We're going to look at several passages here in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 4 and verse 8. The Bible says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined for the good deed done to the impotent man by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by Him doth this man stand here before you whole. (laughs) This is the stone which is set at naught as you 
not of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Look at, look at this verse. Peter preaching. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Here, Peter, the, the person just days before. I'm, this is within just you know 50 days and maybe a few more than that. Peter is denying Jesus. He's saying, I don't know him. This is the Peter that was willing to give up now standing before these same people that crucified Christ. And he is preaching with boldness. He's saying, you guys crucified him and the person that you crucified is the way to salvation and there is no other way. Now he's standing there preaching this with boldness and when they saw, I thought this is interesting, the, 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 the religious crowd, the Pharisees, the high priests, and when they saw the boldness of Peter and John perceiving that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. You know what they said? Who are these fishermen? These guys are ignorant and unlearned, but my goodness, they're standing up here preaching with the power. They Listen... When we have the Holy Spirit of God working in us, one thing that they can't deny is the power of the Gospel. The power. He says, listen, this person that was, that was lame, he was healed in the name of Jesus Christ, the one that you crucified. Look at verse 18. It says, And they called them and commanded them that not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge you. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Boy, look at the difference. You know what Peter and John are saying? These are the guys that just said, I go up fishing. These are the guys that they said, We can't not. We know what you're saying. We know you're threatening us. We know that you just killed Jesus and you'll kill us too. But we cannot not tell you what we saw. We cannot stop telling the good news of Jesus Christ. We just can't quit. Look at verse 27 of chapter 5. Acts 5.27 And when they, so they, they continued to preach. They didn't stop. They continued to teach. And when they had brought them and set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. You know what they're saying? This is going to backfire. <laughs> We're going to end up in trouble here if, we, if, if people start believing that we crucified the Christ. In verse 29, And Peter and the other apostle answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Isn't that true? The fear of man brings a snare, right? But the fear of God brings peace, joy, knowledge, wisdom, understanding. Look at verse 40 of chapter 5. They continue to preach. Verse 40, And to Him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council re- rejoicing. They'd just been beaten. That's how, you know, we kind of read over that, but that'd be tough to take. A beaten. 
They just beat them. And they left rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. Now, here in the United States, here in America, we don't worry about getting beaten for preaching the name of Christ. There are many, many countries around the world today that they do, and they would, and they are. But in America, we don't. But there is a little bit of shame in some circles if we preach the name of Christ. And many of us are afraid to do it because of the shame. And here we see, here we see Peter and John saying, we count it worthy. We count, we, we are rejoicing. Not only that we are beaten, but that we were able to be shamed for the cause of Christ. Why? Because they saw what He went through for them. They saw what Christ went through for them and they were happy, rejoicing to be able to do it the same. In verse 42, and daily, this is, this is right after they were beaten. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Here we see they are beaten for it, they're shamed for it, and that didn't slow them down. They counted, they thought it was wonderful to be able to, to suffer for the name of Christ. This is, again, the point I'm trying to make. This is the same Peter that several days before said, I never knew him. I quit. I go efficient. I'm going back to what I know. He took this beating for the cause of Christ, for the name of Christ, and just said, listen, this is, this is just the cost of doing business. This is just the cost of preaching the, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at what Peter says in, in, in 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 11. He says, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth. That is a change in Peter's philosophy, if you haven't noticed. From the Gospels till now, there was a time in Peter's life where he was able to serve God through his own ability. Through his own, his own, his own strength, and you know where that ended. Peter, discouraged and about ready to quit. And Peter says, "Listen, now I've learned. It took me a little time, like Paul said. I, you know, I've learned whatsoever state I am in, therewith to be content. It took Peter some time, but he learned the rules of engagement. I said last week, Peter had not. Peter didn't know how to fight." He wanted to fight, but he didn't know the good fight. He thought the fight was on the outside, but the fight was truly on the inside and through the strength and the power of God. At this point now, when Peter's writing this, he'd figured it out. I can't serve God with my own talent, my own ability. I've got to serve God through the strength that He has given me through the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. He says this, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. Man, I'm kind of... this. I, there's just a lot... That this that 
finishing up with John and then studying last week in Genesis 22 in, in the life of Abraham, there's a lot coming together here. But listen, Paul, Peter says, think it not strange when you go through some hardships, when you go through a trial, when you, when you are tempted, when you are tested. You know what Peter had learned? I'm, I'm going back to what Peter had learned. There was a time in Peter's life when he thought it was strange that he was being tempted. And he was like, I don't know what this is. I'm following the Lord. I surrendered my life to the Lord. I've been with Him three years and now I'm alone. Now I'm, now my, my dreams are shattered. Now everything that I thought has just fallen apart. He says, don't think it's strange. Listen, as men and women of God, as we follow the Lord, if Christianity tries to tell us that when we choose to walk with the Lord and follow the Lord, that nothing bad's ever going to happen to us again, that is just, that's, that's not in the Bible. That's not the life of the disciples. That's not the life of Paul the Apostle. That's not the life of Timothy. That wasn't the life of Christ. I don't know where we get that. There is trials, there is tribulation, there is valleys, there is hardships. And he says, don't be surprised about that. He says, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened unto you. Listen, if you surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ somewhere along the way, your faith will be tested. If your faith wasn't tested, you wouldn't have faith. Faith, by definition, has to be tested. He says, we are not to walk by sight, but by faith. And to prove that we're walking with the Lord, there has to be a test. Not a test that we fail, but a test that we succeed. A test that we love God. A test that we'll obey God the test that will follow God. He goes on to say, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering. This is a, this is a, James has this idea. All these guys, Peter, James, and, and, and Paul, all say the same thing. They, at the end of their lives, they're all rejoicing in the hardships that they went through for Christ. It is not the listen. It is not the mountaintops that these three men are all rejoicing in at the end of their life. All three of these men are saying, "Rejoice, uh, giving praise for the hardship, the test that we've gone through." When we look at Abraham's life, the height of Abraham's spiritual walk with God was when he was offering up his son Isaac, and without a doubt, the hardest thing that he ever had to do. That was the height. That was the valley. But it was also the mountaintop. He said, but rejoice when these things happen to you. Verse 15, he says, and let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, or an evildoer, as a busybody in other man's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Listen, if we... And, I, and you guys know... You guys know me. I'm not out there, you know, I'm not saying we're going out to stir up trouble, that we're trying to, you can be an idiot and get people mad at you and get persecuted. You know I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being loving and kind and preaching the gospel and being a witness with all our heart, following the, 
the leading of the Holy Spirit. But I promise you, if you do that, you will suffer some shame at some point in time. And when that happens, rejoice. And be not ashamed to call yourself a Christian. Listen, we have to get to a place as Christians that, that we realize that the highest calling, the highest title that we could ever call ourselves uh, is a Christian. To be Christ-like. To be a follower of Christ. You cannot top that. No matter what title this world can offer, no matter what thing, to call ourselves a Christian is the highest calling a person can come to. To be an ambassador of Jesus Christ, ambassador of heaven, a bearer of good news. That's what it means. That we are following Christ. And that is nothing to be ashamed of. It's the hope of the world. And I'm not saying that as far as being arrogant. I'm just saying that. Until we believe that the gospel is the hope of the world, we'll probably keep our mouth shut. But the day that we wake up and say, the gospel is the hope of the world, oh my goodness, I've got the gospel. Nobody else is telling the gospel. I know the gospel. I know the truth. One day our eyes will be opened and like Paul will say, I, I'm in bonds to this. I can't do anything but this. What else, is the, what else does this world have to offer? I've got the good news. I've got the gospel in my hands. What am I going to do with this? Peter had learned how to fight. He'd learned that the warfare was spiritual. He learned these things. Paul understood this. This message is a lot longer than what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> in Ephesians, Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, he says, in, in, turn there, just so you can, I'm, I'm not going to read all this stuff. I have a lot of verses here, and I'm going to skim through it, but at least you can kind of follow along in Ephesians. And maybe I encourage you to read it later. In Ephesians chapter 5, he says, Be not drunk with wine, verse 18, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So he says, be filled with the Spirit. And then from that point on, if you mark that point from there, and and later today or tomorrow, read from there on, you'll see why it's important to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because then he starts talking about the inner life of the believer. He says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks. Someone that's full of the Holy Spirit finds a lot of things to give thanks for. Giving thanks unto God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. First off, the Holy Spirit will fill us to a thankful, joyous spirit even in trouble and tribulation. Then he says in verse 21 through 33 of chapter 5, the, the he begins to talk about marriage life. Husbands and wives. You know what we need in our marriages? The Holy Spirit. As, as Christians, uh, husband and wife, you know how to have peace and joy and love in the home? The Holy Spirit. If both are filled with the Holy Spirit, it's going to be a good place. It's, it's really that simple, but yet that's the focus that each individual is focusing on walking with the Lord, fellowshipping with the Lord, abiding with Christ, and the marriage life will be the best that way. Then he talks about um, chapter 6, verse 1 through uh, 4. He talks about children and parents. He talks about parents and children. 
uh, it takes, it, it take, we need power as parents to raise our children. We need understanding. We need, uh, we need power as children to honor our parents. This is done through the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, I thought, you know, sometimes we get this weird thing like, oh, I thought being spirit-filled and walking with the Lord was all about this, uh, you know, the, you know uh, uh, the mission field or all these different things. It is about your marriage. It's about you and your children. The next verses are, are going on, uh, servants. Obey them that are your masters. And then masters treating your employee. This, he goes into talking about our career. How employers are supposed to treat their employees and how employees are supposed to uh, deal with their employers. This is all, you say, oh man, I didn't even realize I was supposed to be filled with the Spirit at work. Yeah, you're supposed to be filled with the Spirit at work. It'll affect how we deal with each other. Then he goes on, finally, verse 10 of chapter 6, My brethren, be strong in the Lord. That's the same thing Peter said, right? And in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. If we weren't going to face spiritual warfare in our Christian lives, why would Paul put this in the Bible? We are going to face spiritual warfare, doubt, discouragement, fear, sin. You name it, it's going to hit us at some point in time. And he tells us how to combat it through the Spirit, through these tools that he gives us, the, the, the whole armor of God that you can stand, he, the, your loins girt with truth, the breastplate of righteousness, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, right? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication for all, uh, uh, for all saints in the Spirit. Prayer is part of spiritual warfare, right? So he says, listen, this is how we stand. This is how we engage in, in warfare is through the Spirit, through the Word of God, through truth, through faith, through Jesus Christ's imputed righteousness. And then Paul does something interesting here at the end of this passage in verse uh, 19 of chapter 6. And for me, he says, Paul says, oh, uh, church at Ephesus, pray for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that wherein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. For anyone who has studied the life of Paul going in and out of these pagan villages and pagan cities, preaching the gospel, getting beaten, getting whipped, getting imprisoned, you would never stop to think that Paul wasn't bold. But he was. He did have problems with fear. He did have problems with just saying it's easier to be quiet. Or he wouldn't have asked the church here to pray for him for boldness. You know what Paul was saying? I need the boldness of the Lord. I need an open door to open my mouth. I need strength to tell the good news of Jesus Christ. Why? Because I know what I'm supposed to do. Paul said, I know what I ought, didn't he say that? What I ought to do. He said, I was called. 
Jesus called me. He called me to be an ambassador for Him. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in bonds. I'm, 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 I'm a servant of the Lord. I have to do this. So church, pray for me that I'll do it. Pray that I'll open my mouth. Pray that I'll have boldness. Pray that I'll tell the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul asked the church to pray for him for boldness. We need boldness. We should be praying for each other's boldness. We should be praying for our own boldness, seeking the Lord. Sometimes I think what makes the difference between a Christian who fulfills God's will for their life and purpose and a Christian that spends their life living for themselves with little or no eternal fruit is knowing what they ought to do and attempting it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Just knowing I am called as an ambassador. I have been given the ministry of reconciliation. He realizes he's an ambassador. Turn with me quickly to Mark 8. We're going to start winding it down. Mark 8. I honestly am halfway through my notes. You're set for next Sunday. Yeah, I'm set for next Sunday. I get a week off. It's like I get a week off. Mark, Mark 8, 34. Mark 8, 34. He says, And when he had called the people unto them with his disciples also and said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross, follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save him. We either believe that or we don't. Jesus said it, and we say we believe it, but I... I'm looking at myself now. If I really believe that, if I really believe what Jesus is saying there, it would change my life. It would change my priorities. It would change my life if I really believe that. He says, For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? For what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You know what, Jesus, I wish I could, I'm going to spend some more time on this. Just cause, what is the Lord saying here? Let's just stop for just a second. He just put a value on a soul far greater than the whole world. You say, oh, he's just talking and, you know, he's just talking. He's just trying to make a point. He's exaggerating. No, he's not. The Lord just put value on one soul greater than every riches. If you had all the riches in all the world, no one's ever done that. No one could, right? Have all the riches, all the everything, all that. One soul is more valuable than that. Wow. He says, What shall a man give in exchange for a soul for whosoever shall be ashamed of me and my works? In this adulterous and sinful generation of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed and he cometh in the glory of his Father and holy angels. You know what's hard for us? What's right for us and where we have to get to in our Christian life is to deny self. To follow Jesus. To lose our life. 
sometimes it includes losing our plans, losing our control, lose like Peter had to. Sometimes it's losing our religion. Sometimes it's losing what, you know, sometimes we're such good people because we're always worried about what everybody else thinks. I honestly believe that if you're going to be a true follower of Jesus Christ, you're going to have to lose your, your religion. And I hope you understand what I'm saying when I say that. I'm just saying you're going to have to say, I don't care. I, I, I care about my testimony, but I'm following Jesus Christ and Him and Him alone. No matter what he says, I have to follow him and obey him, and and I need to deny myself and lose my life and follow Christ. I'm sure it's always been the same, but in this generation, in this time, in this place, it is hard for us to give up anything. We are we truly spend our life trying to get, and it's a whole different change to say I'm willing to give up, I'm willing to pay, I'm willing to lose. For the gospel's sake. I'm willing. God, I'm willing. I'm willing to pay any cost. We look at what Abraham faced when he went up on that mountain with his boy. He was willing as he was tested to offer up Isaac. Believing that God would raise him. You know what? You know You know what? Abraham was so blessed of God. God said, blessing me, I will bless thee. <laughs> he said, I'm going to put blessings on top of your blessings, Abraham. I'm going to bless you and bless you. And you know what? We all think, excuse me, I should say. You know what? You know what we, we want? We want the blessing of God without any sacrifice. But the, the blessing came after the sacrifice. The blessing came when he, when he tested Abraham and saw Abraham's heart. He said, blessing, I will bless thee, and multiply, I will multiply thee. He said, Abraham, you weren't ashamed of me, and I'm not ashamed of you. I am willing to be called your God. As we look at Jesus Christ, listen, it was him that gave us our name. He wasn't ashamed of us. Here we are, we're representing Jesus out here. We're the light. He's not ashamed of us. Probably doing a and I'm talking about myself, probably doing a miserable job. Jesus looks down and says, he's representing me. She's representing me. And I gave him, I gave him my name, I gave him the power, and I gave him my spirit. And he is not ashamed of us. So why would we ever be ashamed of him? David, he said, is there not a cause? You know what? It, you know what? When we see the gospel as the cause of Christ, David saw the same thing that all his brothers and all the army saw. He saw a big old giant. But they didn't see God. Right. Like David saw God. That's right. And when we get God in our mind, when we get God, we get the heart of the Lord. There will be a part of us that says, is there not a cause? And when a cause comes up, when it comes to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, when it's, you know, people say, I don't have time. And I'm, I'm talking to myself here. But listen, we have time for what we want to do. We all have the same amount of time, right? It's just what we're willing to spend. 
It's what we're willing to give. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. We spend an hour, we spend an hour at church on Sunday morning and listen. And I'm, and I, and I, but that is not our Christian life. This is maybe a place where we can hopefully recharge our batteries, get, get meet with the Lord, meet with each other, iron sharpens iron. But the mission field is when we walk out this door. And God has given you a field to plant, a place to plant, a place to serve, a place to go. Sometimes I think that if we really believe that we're called as fishers of men, if we're called to be a light, that we should at least be honest with ourselves and say, am I a light? Am I fishing for men? I mean, last week, was I fishing for men? The week before, was I fishing for men? If not, then at least be honest with ourselves and say, I'm not engaged here. I'm not fulfilling my great commission. I'm not part of the cause, the gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, help me. And this is where we get the intentional saying, pray, say, Lord, fill me. Lord, use me. Lord, lead me. Lord, guide me. And He will. When we pray those prayers, we'll begin like Paul said to the church, pray for me that utterance is given, that I may speak. That's what we ought to say. Lord, help me. Lead me. Lord, show me. Help me to have the eyes to see and ears to hear. Amen? Listen, I don't want to backslide. And in our Christian life, our tendency is to backslide if we're not careful. Our tendency is to go from hot to lukewarm to even cold. And we have to say, listen, I want to stay on fire. I want to stay revived. I want to stay alive. I want to see God at work in my life for the cause of Christ. 